Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. The following is a Podcast One and Reels Channel presentation. This program contains graphic violence and sexual situations. Viewer discretion is advised. In the 1970s, the enigmatic leader of a religious cult creates a utopian community in the remote jungles of South America. It is to be a paradise free of violence and racism where every need of its members is met if they are blindly loyal. The People's Temple will be the last great hope of mankind on Earth. But their megalomaniacal, self-avowed prophet brainwashes. You don't think I know your mind? Abuses. I've never spoken about it. Sexually assaults. I'm doing this for you. Don't you forget that. And betrays his obedient followers. His narcissism was so deep that he did things for shock value. Convincing them that self-sacrifice is the only escape from the suffering he himself has brought upon them. As soon as he got to Jonestown, he started talking about this notion of revolutionary suicide. He convinced people that his answers needed a sort of full, complete commitment. They saw themselves as threatened. Congressman Leo Ryan's office. Terrible, terrible lies are being told by so-called concerned family members from the United States. Shoot them before they get to the plane. Shoot them all. In one tragic afternoon, the paranoid death of murder of the people's temple holds over 900 innocent men, women, and children to their deaths in the largest mass murder-suicide of Americans in recorded history. Jim Jones had just murdered over 900 people with a poison that causes immense physical agony. Meet Jim Jones. I will be your guy! A simple Midwestern preacher with a message of peace, love, and community. Jim Jones brought them down there to kill them. Until murder made him famous. The November 1978 massacre at Jonestown, Guyana, remains unparalleled in its shocking brutality and massive loss of life. And while the names of many of the 918 innocents who died are not familiar to us, the leader of the People's Temple cult, Reverend Jim Jones, will forever be remembered as one of the most evil madmen the modern world has ever known. It's difficult to comprehend the absolute power that Jim Jones had over his followers. He had these unique abilities, and even now we're finding out what they were. He was a powerful preacher. People would get almost mesmerized by him. The monumental tragedy gave birth to the phrase, drinking the Kool-Aid, which means to accept something without question or skepticism. Of drinking the Kool-Aid, we hear it all the time. It's become an American phrase for being stupid. Media coverage of the event was massive and worldwide, and in the years since, films, books, and psychological studies have examined the puzzling phenomenon that, until the terrorist attacks on 9-11, comprised the largest single loss of American civilian life in a deliberate act. But how was one man able to convince so many to do his bidding? The answer begins in the childhood of a future mass murderer. He was a little odd. 
a loner. Uh, his parents weren't uh, very present in his life. No kids really liked him. The father didn't work. And Jim Jones spent a lot of time outside of the house. It was not a very happy household. Oh, oh, oh. who's this? This is my friend. Oh, no. You can bring one in my house. Go back to your neighborhood, boy. In the 1940s, Crete, Indiana was a haven for the KKK, and segregation was the norm. As an outcast himself, Jim Jones identified with society's outcasts, including African Americans. At one point, this neighbor woman took him under her wing and brought him to church. And he saw the preacher in front of the congregation in his robes, and he saw all the respect and veneration that this preacher had, and something lodged in his mind. He wanted that same adoration and veneration. Childhood acquaintances would later allege that young Jim Jones frequently held funerals for small animals on his parents' property and had stabbed a cat to death. Little creature, go to your death freely, for I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who says to you, fear not, I am the one who helps you. At age 16, Jim Jones officially begins his ministry, focusing on the disenfranchised and those receptive to his message of socialism. He quickly drew a crowd. Who was the 16-year-old white kid preaching about race and about equality? It was rather unheard of. In 1949, Jones marries a young nurse named Marceline. The couple adopts several non-white children. Jones calls it his rainbow family. In 1955, he launches his own church, the People's Temple of the Disciples of Christ. He promises a bed, food, jobs, and healing to his faithful flock. A lot of people came to see him as a kind of person who could take the best of religion and the importance of politics and put them together in a new way. Jones turns his church into a movement. And in the mid-60s, he and about 140 followers moved to Northern California, establishing a commune in Redwood Valley. We came to this valley to escape the fascist, racist devils bent on our destruction. We all went up to Redwood Valley and checked out this thing. Um, and it, it was just people very happy and ecstatic. And that's what I thought a church was. Because I had never been into a church, and so it seemed like a really good thing to be a part of. It was packed, probably 450 people at least, about two-thirds African-American. Everybody was very comfortable with each other. Let them destroy themselves with their wars and their nuclear bombs. The People's Temple will be the last great hope of mankind on Earth. For Jim Jones, the more members that the People's Temple had, the more the money kept rolling in. And as communism dictated, what belonged to one belonged to all. You gave all. If you worked a job, uh, you gave your entire paycheck. He needed a complete commitment, and that meant giving up your friends, your family. That meant uh, selling your house, basically living as a church member around the clock in isolation from the outside world. To achieve complete commitment from his flock, 
Jones employs psychological tactics that can only be characterized as outlandish. It was a Sunday after church. People were gathering in the parking lot, and all of a sudden, gunshots ring out. And somebody cries, Father's been shot. And so his bodyguards rushed him into the church, and everybody's aghast, oh my God. Then they came back and announced that Jim Jones was dead. Of course, everybody's horrified. <laughs> A couple minutes later, Jim Jones comes out, and he's all healed. Lennon died by a bullet to his body, and one day, so shall I, but only by my choosing. It was clearly a fake, uh, and it nonetheless worked. That would qualify as a miracle. Uh, so they put the bloody vestment in a glass case in the church. His bloody shirt is in a frame. <laughs> and it was a relic, you know, it was like a piece of the shroud or something. Jones begins to enforce rules on members, including celibacy. But his own sexuality manifests itself in bizarre ways. He was a sexual predator, okay, because there was one time we, we made signs. So I was laying on this stage with a magic marker making a sign. <sighs> and um, I saw Jim and a man and his daughter. His daughter was fully grown. Okay, she's giving him a hand job, and her dad was watching. Uh, uh, and so I looked away so as not to embarrass them and uh, never said anything about it. In fact, this is the first time I've ever mentioned it. One of the ways that Jim Jones kept secrets in the People's Temple was that he forbade anybody from talking privately to each other. You see, private conversation among yourselves serves no purpose here. Should you tell secrets, it's destructive. It's an act of betrayal. Sometimes people were paddled uh, or spanked. Uh, sometimes people were asked to engage in boxing matches. No beatings or... Did someone tell you? No. I thought I've never spoken about it. Tell me. <sighs> All right. <laughs> I got a hundred wax. And, uh, and I took it. Catherine Barber's offense is violating the temple's rule of celibacy by flirting with a male member. If you can control somebody's sexual behavior, then you've got really, you're just increasing your control and power over that person. Jim Jones's power is about to increase exponentially when he declares himself Messiah. He had this in mind all along. In 1972, Jim Jones renounces the Bible and a heavenly God and proclaims himself an earthbound prophet. You think this has power? This book has no power. This book has held black people down throughout history. There you see. Did lightning come out of the sky to strike us down? 
My children, you need only to believe what you see with your own two eyes. Look upon me. Do you see me as your friend? Yes. If you see me as your friend, then I will be your friend. If you see me as a father, then I will be your father. If you see me as a savior, then I will be your savior. And if you see me as a God, then I will be your God. There's nobody in the sky. Ain't no heaven up there. You have to make heaven down here. Over the years, things really did change. The great Black Panther, Huey Newton, once spoke of something he called revolutionary suicide. In what would become a fateful rehearsal for Jonestown, Jim Jones had a New Year's Eve service in Redwood Valley where he handed out punch to everyone with a little surprise. But to achieve true freedom, you must be willing to sacrifice yourself to the cause of socialism. My children, we all just drank poison. We are going to die in this church tonight together. And we'll die together. And then everything quieted down. In fact, the punch has not been poisoned. You're not going to die. In our common struggle, loyalty must be periodically tested. My children, you passed the test. I thought, damn, (laughs) he had this in mind all along. Happy New Year. Later that year, Jim Jones moves the People's Temple to San Francisco, a city more receptive to his church's socialist doctrine. His flock continues to grow. But so does his addiction to prescription amphetamines and alcohol. No one could say for sure why Jim Jones wore dark sunglasses, but he wore them all the time. Maybe it was because he had sensitivity to light, maybe it was to hide drug use, or maybe he just liked to be able to look people in the eye without them being able to look back. With a new city comes new opportunities for so-called faith healing. He had a lot of older, elderly women who became part of his congregation. So sometimes he would have one of his close aides slip them a sleeping pill. They would fall asleep, wake up with their leg in a cast, and say, oh, what happened? You don't remember, Mother? No. You fell. I fell. Mother, you fell, you broke your leg. And then they would say, you fell down and broke your leg, but Father's going to heal it tomorrow at the service. Do you believe that faith can heal you, Mother? Yes. Do you believe in me? Yes. Then I command that leg to heal. Let's bring him up here. Come on. Come on. Come on. Jim Jones would saw off her cast with great fanfare and order her to get up and dance around the sanctuary. It was all part of this showmanship that he put on. It was a spectacle. Dance, mother. Dance, dance. Dance, mother. Dance. 
and a lot of people fell for it. Jim Jones is a miracle worker. Who am I to question what a godlike figure does? Jim Jones' practice wasn't just limited to drugs. In the mid-1970s, he was arrested for soliciting an oh. undercover LAPD oh. officer oh. for sex oh. in an adult oh. movie theater oh. that was known for oh. its homosexual oh. activity. Jones's arrest is yet another ugly secret he must hide from the public. Having sex with someone to bring them to socialism, that would, you know, that would be a common thing. Hello, Dad. At Jones's insistence, all members of the temple, regardless of age, are to refer to him as Dad. You know what you do to me, child? What, Dad? Relax, child. I'm doing this for you. Don't you forget that. It's impossible to control the thoughts and the actions of thousands of people. And Jim Jones was realizing that. So he spread his paranoia that people from the outside were coming to stop them. Have I not healed you? Have I not made good on my promise to build us a better world? Yes. Where we care for each other and we love one another into old age. Yes, Dad. Yes, Dad. Instill threats. Threats from within, threats from without. There was a fire that was started at our headquarters yesterday. Did this fire start all by itself? No. They're trying to burn us down. As early as 1973, Jim Jones had begun plans to build an isolated agricultural compound in the remote jungle of the South American nation of Guyana. Guyana was a poor socialist nation, but it was also very multicultural. So it was the perfect place for Jim Jones to go when it was time to escape America. As the People's Temple asserts itself as a force in San Francisco politics, the press become more and more curious about the secret of Jones. My efforts to get sort of into the church to hear more about it uh, trickle down to to some ex-members who said, oh, you don't know the half of it, that this guy is really bad news. These are the things he did that led us to quit, such as taking so much money from poor old folks, such as faking cancer healings with these uh, Dr. Depp chicken guts. And there was a lot of rough abuse. Uh, kids were beaten up. Uh, women were uh, sexually abused. Jones was a kind of tyrant. That was the story that we ended up writing. The New West was about to print this expose on the church about the beatings, about the financial mismanagement, about all of the allegations and things that Jim Jones was doing that he wanted covered up. So he tried to get as many of his people 
rush down to Guyana as possible. So they decided at that point, when they felt they were the object of an investigation, that they should move en masse to Guyana. In 1977, Jones commands hundreds of his followers to abruptly move to the temple's compound in Guyana. I think people mostly got 24 hours notice. We're told, don't tell anyone, don't call anyone. Very discreetly done. And I'll tell you another thing. This was not an easy journey. A lot of people went down there believing, you know, let's check it out. If we don't like it, we'll go home. Well, what happened? As soon as they got to Jonestown, Jim Jones confiscated their passports and their money and told them that if they wanted to go home, they could swim home because he wasn't paying their fare home. Temple members are immediately put to work for up to 16 hours a day, building facilities and planting crops. The thing with Jonestown, it was never a viable farm. It never worked. The soil was too thin to grow crops, and especially enough food to feed a thousand people in Jonestown. It was a failure. And you have to realize, back in 1978, there wasn't any internet, there was no cell phone service. They were cut off. They were truly trapped. People's Temple members have come to Jonestown to form the perfect society, but they will soon discover a hell on earth. Murder Made Me Famous will be back after a word from our sponsors. This program contains graphic violence and sexual situations. Viewer discretion is advised. Now in the seclusion of his own town, which was 150 miles from anywhere, Jim Jones, who was still married to Marceline, had complete freedom to continue his sexually abusive behavior. I felt like he could read my mind, which made me very nervous when I was around him. You are all aware of my orders of celibacy, that sexual relations can only be approved by your prophet. But some of you, even now, are entertaining thoughts that defy those orders. So I would do this thing in my mind where I would scramble my thoughts. These two young people have been seeing each other romantically. They've touched one another. People would be brought up in front for various infractions. That's not true. I barely even know her. You don't think I know your mind? You were seen over at the bakery talking to her. She gave you a cookie. That is forbidden. Do you deny this? You two are so excited about each other. Maybe you should make love right here, right now, in front of all of us. Well, go on. All of your freedom was taken away in Jonestown. Jim Jones's drug use becomes more rampant, fueling a paranoia that there are those among his flock thinking of betrayal. 
Tonight, I will be sending someone out among you who will say they want to leave. They are to be immediately turned in. This is a test of loyalty, my children. For he who betrays me betrays us all. Jim Jones brought them down there to kill them. He never wanted them to thrive. He never wanted the farm to be a success. What's this for? It's for cleaning jewelry. And almost as soon as he got to Jonestown, he started talking about this notion of revolutionary suicide. Anyone who crossed Jim Jones or even tried to escape was met with demonic repercussions, even the children. I'm responsible. In one documented case, the mother of a child who tried to escape Jonestown offers to kill her son and commit suicide in order for the People's Temple to save face. It'd be a killing and a suicide by an upset mother that doesn't like what her son is doing. That's very honorable of you, mother. But we wouldn't dream of sacrificing yourself for this vermin. Take him to the well. No! The well is a torture device where children are suspended upside down into a pit overnight. Congressman Leo Ryan's office. Thank you. Numerous calls from concerned relatives of Temple members flood into the office of Congressman Leo Ryan, who represents the San Francisco area. Yeah. Hey, Leo. Mm-hmm. I got another call about Jonestown. Congressman Leo Ryan makes a fateful decision to go down to Jonestown to see what's going on. When Jim Jones gets word of it, he instructs all of his followers on how they need to behave while he's there. These invaders will ask you if you are being held against your will. They will ask you if you want to go back. What will you tell them, children? Well, I'll tell them that mostly everybody don't want to return to the state because they love it here at Jonestown. Don't say mostly, child. Don't say mostly. Say, I don't know anybody who wants to go back. You understand? One of Jim Jones's greatest fears is that people would leave the church. It was almost pathological, this fear. On November 17, 1978, Congressman Ryan and a small delegation, including congressional aide Jackie Spear, arrive at the Port Katuma airstrip. They are greeted with a musical reception at the Jonestown Pavilion. At first, Congressman Ryan is genuinely impressed by the jubilation of the entire group. As you all know, Congressman Ryan is our guest here tonight. He is here to see how we live. Because lies, terrible, terrible lies, are being told by so-called concerned family members from the United States. Mr. Ryan. Thank you. I uh, 
I appreciate the chance to uh, speak to all of you tonight. I think most of you know that I'm here to find out more about uh, questions that have been raised about your operations here. But I can tell you right now, from the few conversations I've had with some of the folks here already this evening, that uh, there are some people here who believe that this is the best thing that's ever happened to them in their whole life. Fake, over-enthusiastic applause is disturbing to Ryan. It's obvious to him that Jones has coached these people how to act. It looked like everybody was, you know, there of their own volition. So this is really nice here, see? But at one point, somebody slipped his aid a note. So, uh, is there dancing, too? Yeah. Yeah. Um, um, excuse us. It was brought to Congressman Ryan's attention. And then he questioned Jim Jones about it. And Jim Jones. His demeanor changed. There's footage of this. His demeanor changed, and at one point, he just told him to leave. They lie. They lie. What can I do about liars? Are you people going to leave us? I just beg you, please leave us. Bill, we will bother nobody. Anybody wants to get out of here can get out of here. We have no problem about getting out of here. They come and go all the time. I don't know what kind of game. People like, who, who, people like publicity. Some people do. I don't. Jim Jones's house of cards was about to fall down. These people were going to leave Jonestown. They were going to come back to San Francisco and tell the world what it was really like there. But Jim Jones has no intention of letting anyone go anywhere. November 17, 1978, Temple members are interviewed by reporters accompanying Congressman Ryan. Only a handful admit that they want to leave Jonestown. 14 so far. It's a far cry from what we thought. Even though there were 15 or so people that wanted to leave on that last day, I think that given the opportunity, I think more people would have stepped up. Come on, we need to take our children and leave this place. Hey, you woman, they're my children and I want to stay. I understand no, you want to stay, but she wants to go. During these very tense conversations, one of Jim Jones's aides comes out and tries to attack Congressman Ryan with a knife and is knocked to the ground. This is a half-hearted attack, and it's speculated that Jones wanted to scare Ryan away without taking any defectors with him. You okay, Leo? Yeah, I think so. Sir, nobody told this man to harm you. Nobody told this man to do this. I understand, Congressman. I think it's time we leave. Sir, please, we are peaceful people. We only want to be left here in peace. We're going to take the people who want to leave with us. American citizens can't be held against their will. I am so sorry. And it made Congressman Ryan see, you know, some of these people are really dangerous. I better leave. Of course, never envisioning what was about to happen to him at the jungle airstrip. We must not let that congressman take our people. What do you want us to do? 
Shoot them before they get to the plane. Shoot them all. So Congressman Ryan gathers up about a dozen or so people who are brave enough to defect, and they head to the Port Kaituma airstrip. At the Port Kaituma airstrip, Congressman Ryan's delegation, along with several defectors, are about to board two planes when a truck pulls up beside them. Hiding inside are a group of Jones's gunmen. shot a total of five times. Four others are killed. Ten are injured. NBC cameraman Bob Brown records his own murder. Miraculously, Spear survives her wounds, waiting 22 hours for help. When they had received news back from the airstrip that Congressman Ryan had been killed, that's when Jones said, we have to follow through now. We can't continue to exist in this world. They'll come in and destroy us as a community. Now is the time that we have to engage in collective suicide. Over the loudspeakers, Jones orders everyone to the pavilion. He tells them that revolutionary suicide is at hand. What you're about to hear is an actual audio recording of the Jonestown Massacre. How very much I've loved you. How very much I've tried to my best to give you a good life. But in spite of all of that I've tried, a handful of our people have made our life impossible. Those who have left and committed the betrayal of the century. So if we can't live in peace, then let's die in peace. We've been so betrayed. We have been so terribly betrayed. Take the portion like they used to take in ancient Greece and step over quietly because we are not committing suicide. It's a revolutionary act. Anyone that has any dissenting opinion, please speak. Yes, Is it too late for Russia? It's too late. The congressman's dead. Many of our traitors are dead. They're all laying out their dead. As long as there's life, there's hope. I'm going to tell you, Christine, without me, life has no meaning. I'm the best friend you'll ever have. I look at our babies and I think they deserve to live. What's more than it their peace? You'll regret it if you don't die. You don't die. You'll regret it. Well, you're going to get that medication here. You got to move. There's nothing to worry about. Everybody keep calm and try and keep your children calm. It's just a little bitter tasting, but they're, they're not crying out of any pain. It's hard only at first. Living, you're looking at death. It only looks. To, living is much, much more difficult. This is nothing to cry about. This is something we should all rejoice about. We should be happy about this. Please, 
for God's sake, let's get on with it. We've lived, we've lived as no other people have lived and loved. We've had as much of this world as you're going to get. Let's just be done with it. Let's be done with the agony of it. It's a revolutionary suicide. This is not a self-destructive suicide. So they'll pay for this. They brought this upon us. Let's get calm. Let's get calm. No more, no more, no more. We tried to find a new beginning, but it's too late. You can't separate yourself from your brother and your sister. Die with a degree of dignity. Lay down your life with dignity. Don't lay down with tears and agony. Don't, don't be this way. Stop this hysteric. This is not the way for people who are socialists to communists to die. Oh, God. Mother, 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 please. Mother, please, 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 don't, don't do this, don't do this. Get down your life with your child, but don't do this. Hey, but it will not hurt if you'll be, if you'll be quiet, if you'll be quiet. I'll tell you, I don't care how many screams you hear, I don't care how many angry cries. Death is a million times preferable to ten more days of this life. If you knew what was ahead of you, if you knew what was ahead of you, you'd be glad to be stepping over tonight. Hurry, my children. Where is the vat? The vat? The vat? Where's the vat? Quickly, 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 quickly. You have no problem with this thing. If you just relax, we'll lay it down. We got time. No more pain. the more than 900 temple members in Jonestown that afternoon, only 15 managed to escape death, 11 of them by fleeing into the jungle. Jim Jones had just murdered over 900 people with a, with a poison that is, causes immense physical agony to the person who takes it with convulsions and choking. And so he watched 900 plus people die I think in the end he was a coward, and he didn't want to do that himself. In that death tape, you can hear a voice of a person who is falling apart, who has lost his mind. But Jim Jones's power to kill has a far reach. 150 miles away from Jonestown, in Georgetown, Guyana, is the People's Temple headquarters, a hub for supplies, communications, and visitors. So back in Georgetown, there was a house that belonged to People's Temple. It's where the top aides stayed, including this woman, this mother named Sharon Amos, who was there that final day with her children. Sharon Amos's children include young Martin and Krista, pictured here, as well as 21-year-old Leanne, best friend of Jordan Vilchez. They are all temporarily stationed at headquarters and avoid the slaughter at Jonestown. She was like my first friend when I was 12. And then throughout the years, remained friends. And on that final day, I was there with her too. The Georgetown house gets this secret code saying that it is time 
They've been rehearsing revolutionary suicide, and it is time to act. When Sharon Amos relays that they have nothing at the house with which to kill themselves, she is offered a suggestion. Sharon Amos came reeling out of the radio room. Krista Martin, get in here. What's going on, Mom? Said that everyone was killing themselves in Jonestown and that we were to do that, too. Get a knife from the kitchen and meet me in the bathroom. Come on, kids. No. So, Sharon Amos drags her children into the bathroom, locks the door, and slits their throats before killing herself. The only person outside of Jonestown to take up Jim Jones's last order for them to kill themselves. I was in shock. Jordan retreats to her downstairs bedroom, where she will remain until authorities arrive. The exact circumstances surrounding the death of Jim Jones are not fully known. His body is found with a single gunshot wound to the head. Today. News of the horrific tragedy at Jonestown breaks worldwide, instantly casting the Reverend Jim Jones into infamy. Reports continuing to come in from Jonestown, Guyana, are now indicating nearly 1,000 Americans are dead. Catherine Barber is living at the San Francisco Temple at the time of the massacre, but she loses her husband in Jonestown. Nobody wanted the bodies. You know, Guyana had to insist that the U.S. come and remove them. So they, uh, they did. More than 400 bodies go unclaimed, and in some cases, it is years before remains are properly interred. Well, I lost my two sisters, my older sister, Diane, and my other sister, Cynthia, who was a year and a half older than me. And my nephews, who were 10 and 7. And so they were my only sisters. You know, these people did not go to Jonestown to die. They went down there thinking that they were going to partake in this great social experiment. Everyone we interviewed wanted the world to know one thing, that Jim Jones' followers went to Guyana thinking they were headed for the promised land and to make the world a better place. A memorial to 918 Americans is located at Evergreen Cemetery in Oakland, California. It's a beautiful uh, east-facing hill with a massive eucalyptus tree at the bottom. 
very pretty. I like to believe, I'm, I'm an optimistic person, that we would never have something of that magnitude again. Ironically, the sign that hung over Jim Jones' throne is a message to us all to never let this happen again. That concludes this episode of Murder Made Me Famous. Don't forget to go to Reels.com, that's R-E-E-L-Z.com, for clips, extras, and more. And don't forget to subscribe on PodcastOne.com, the Podcast One app, and Apple Podcasts.